If you would turn in your Bibles at this time, we will be reading from Acts chapter 8, 1 through 11. And as we just sang, Paul was someone who trusted in Jesus. And we will be reading what happened to Paul in the town of Corinth, or the city of Corinth. It was bigger than a town, if you have a description of a town. And so Acts chapter 8, 1 through 11. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Paul must have left Athens, as we just read, in a mood of dejection. First of all, he was there by himself. Timothy and Silas were still in Macedonia and were supposed to come to Paul, but they hadn't come. And Luke, who was his friend, had stayed in Philippi. Secondly, even though he had had a wonderful opportunity to speak the gospel in the Areopagus in Athens, a place you can still visit today, There was very little response. Thirdly, the men of Athens ridiculed Paul. He didn't fit their standards of rhetoric and debate. Paul describes his situation like this. I did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. The Greeks were known for their lofty speech and for their wise way of speaking. They had a rhetoric And you can still study some of the ways that they taught you to speak today. Fourthly, the men of Athens just tolerated him. They thought he was amusing. He was considered a babbler. What a way to live. And fifthly, he had been driven out of Macedonia. He had left little bands, little groups of converts in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And he just wanted to be somewhere where there were some more believers. And sixthly, 
Paul may have had difficulty supporting himself in Athens. And so Paul describes his mood when he writes a letter to the Corinthians. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That was Paul's mood. He was dejected. Haven't you had times when you were dejected? You might feel like the psalmist who speaks in Psalm 102, Hear my prayer, O Lord. This might have been Paul's prayer. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Perhaps you're in a situation where you're feeling somewhat dejected. You're not appreciated at work. You're not feeling well. You're not not physically well. Your attempts at witnessing have been failures. You've been flatly rejected, ignored, possibly ridiculed. And when you said you didn't agree with a woman's right to have an abortion, some of your friends left you and won't talk to you anymore. This is a real thing. I got a note about this this week. Someone has lost their friends. How much worse can it possibly get? Paul was dejected. But God had other plans for Paul. God reinvigorated Paul during this time of rejection. And today we're going to talk about four ways in which God reinvigorated Paul. And we see that Paul quickly became reinvigorated. Firstly, Paul prompted, was prompted to leave Athens. God helped him change locations. And the Bible doesn't tell us really why Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Perhaps Paul had heard that there was a Jewish community in Corinth, a pretty large community. Or Paul knew that in Corinth there was a better market for being a tent maker. There are more tent makers in Corinth than there were in Athens. And so if you're feeling dejected today or distressed about what's happening with your life, you might consider whether a change is needed in your life. It might be your attitude that needs to be changed. Haven't we been told that before? Change your attitude. It's not as easy as you think, but perhaps that's what is needed. Maybe your job needs to be changed. Your location needs to be changed. Something needs to be changed. And sometimes you need a change to bring you out of dejection out of rejection. But God did something else for Paul. He brought him to Corinth. And in Corinth, he found Christian fellowship. And before we begin to talk about those Christians who Paul became friends with, let me tell you something about Corinth. If you take a look at a map and you see where Corinth is today, you will see that Corinth is located on an isthmus. Remember your geography class? An isthmus is a little tiny bit of land that connects two bigger pieces of land. And so this isthmus connects Greece 
and Macedonia to a huge uh, body of land called Southern Achaia. Now, Southern Achaia is not small. It's about the size of New Jersey. You can see it on a map today. And there is an isthmus that connects it that's only about four or five miles wide. And so if you were a sailor, the best thing to do would be to sail from the east to Corinth, unload your cargo in Corinth, put it on a skid, and have people push that skid or pull that skid up over a ridge, down the ridge to the other side, and put all your cargo back onto a ship and continue going west. Very interesting city. And so there was a large contingent of sailors in Corinth, a large contingent of people who were porters. There was a large contingent of merchants because because of the isthmus, there was a trail, a road that went north and a road that went south. And so it was the confluence of various trading opportunities. If you decided you didn't want to do that skid thing, you would have to sail 435 miles in a small boat through some very treacherous seas. If you take a look at Greece on the map, you'll see that the coast is dotted with little islands and whirlpools and strong currents. And so Corinth was the place, and that's where Paul went. Now there's one other thing that you need to know about Corinth. Overlooking Corinth, on a hill over 2,000 feet high, higher than High Point, there was a temple. The temple was for Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And Aphrodite was no Cupid. Aphrodite was a wicked god in our perspective. And there were perhaps a thousand, two thousand women who worked for Aphrodite going around the city of Corinth trying to sell themselves as being a special worship experience. And so the Corinthians needed a lot of instruction about purity and sexuality. And when we read the book that, or the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he devotes chapters 5 through 7 of 1 Corinthians to this very topic. And so Paul, he left Athens that was known for his schools and for his sophisticated lifestyle. And he went to Corinth that was known for its working class and for its sexual laxity. But providentially, Paul found some kindred spirits in Corinth, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla were Jews, but more importantly, they were Christians. And they weren't just your ordinary church-going Christian. 
They were Christians who really knew their Bible. And so Paul was able to come and live with them and visit with them. And he was able to have spiritual conversations with them. They were wonderful people for Paul. And Paul mentions them from time to time in his letters. We too need friends. We need friends that we can talk about spiritual things about. Friends uphold each other. Paul needed a friend to encourage him. We read, we read in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. I think that's one of the reasons Paul left Athens. He was just one there. He had very few converts, and they were just converts. He wasn't able to talk to them about spiritual things without just talking to them what he knew, training them. But two is better than one because they have great reward for their toil. For if they fall, they will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up from Ecclesiastes 4. Or perhaps Proverbs says it beautifully. The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Having a conversation with a sweet friend is just a wonderful thing. We read further about David and Jonathan, that David and Jonathan were knit together as one soul. Do you have good friends? Do you have somebody that you can talk to about spiritual matters? Do you have somebody who is going to be there when you're dejected, when you're going through trials? Paul is an example of one who needed a good friend. And if Paul needed friends, don't you think that we need friends? And so we should be looking to cultivate friendships, somebody that you can call on in a time of need, somebody in which you can talk about spiritual things. But Paul did even more. But God did even more for Paul. God had prompted him to change locations. God had prompted him to find Christian friends. But then God prompted him to preach Christ. And Paul was able to preach Christ successfully. That was what he was driven to do. This was his life's work to preach and teach the gospel, to teach Christ crucified. There were times in which, which he had difficulties, but he had a plan. Sometimes you are able to witness to others in a moment. But Paul had a plan, and we plan to go out and preach and teach the gospel. And we have missionaries that are prepared to teach and preach. We send them to school. We send them to language school. We send them to cultural schools so that they learn the culture of where they're going to move to. And then we make sure we have funding for them so that they can spend their time preaching and teaching. And so likewise, Paul had a plan. And the first thing he did whenever he came to a city, especially a city with a number of Jews, he went to evangelize the Jews and those who feared God. 
And so he went to the synagogue. And using his credentials as a rabbi, he began to speak about the Messiah. And in Corinth, because he had to work, he went on the Sabbath. And he preached about the Messiah. And it seems like when Silas and Timothy came, he was able to stop working and begin preaching and teaching on a full-time basis. And he also was able to reveal that the Messiah was the Lord Jesus Christ. It is said that when missionaries are able to devote all their time to teaching and preaching, that they may have some success depending on the Lord and what the Lord has granted. And we support the Reformed Baptist Network because we are small and we're not able to preach and teach. We just had missionaries here, Caleb Jabella, who is preparing to go back to preach and teach the gospel in Papua New Guinea. And Paul seems to be invigorated when Silas and Timothy came and he preached Jesus as the Messiah. That was his sole activity at this time. But the second thing that Paul planned for, he planned for opposition. And we are not as familiar with culture at that time as we could be. But Jewish culture at that time was that they had a very prescribed way of worship. And so, yes, Paul was able to speak in the synagogue, but the synagogue had an order of worship. And one of the things that they did in the synagogue is that they had prayers. And they weren't just prayers where men got up and prayed. They were prescribed prayers, prayers that had been written down, that they would recite. And so part of a prayer that has been preserved for us said this, and this is spoken by the Jewish rabbi, by the men in the synagogue. And for the apostates, let there be no hope. And may the insolent kingdom be quickly uprooted in our days. And may the Nazarenes and the heretics perish quickly. And may they be erased from the book of life. And may they not be inscribed with the righteous. Blessed art thou, Lord, who humblest the insolent. Who do you think they began to think was a heretic? Paul. What kinds of things were they saying about a heretic? I hope he goes away. He's cursed. Paul, who was a Jew and probably very familiar with this language, clearly knew that as soon as he was labeled a heretic, it was time to leave the synagogue and to start looking to preach to somebody else. And we read that Paul stopped preaching to the Jews. He moved, and of course there was a friend, a worshiper of God, who had become saved who had a house next to the synagogue. He moved to the house of Titius Justice and kept on preaching. Paul preached Christ. He was reinvigorated when he preached 
and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read that Paul stayed there for a year and a half. But Paul wasn't, but God wasn't finished with reinvigorating Paul. Paul had changed locations. Paul had found Christian fellowship and friends, and then Silas and Timothy came. So he had his whole missionary team there. But Paul preached the gospel, Christ crucified, and the resurrection, and, and how you could get salvation from your sins. But the Lord encouraged Paul. We read again in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3, that Paul was in fear. He was in trembling. He was there in weakness. And what was Paul afraid of in Corinth? We have said before that these Corinthian people were proud people. These were hard-working people. They carried goods from one side of that isthmus to the other. They were merchants. They were travelers. They were sailors. They were people who knew what it was to to earn a living. And so Paul was going to preach the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, which required humbling oneself. And so when these people heard the word of God, they realized that they couldn't buy salvation, even if they had the resources. They realized that they could not do enough good works to earn their salvation. They realized that they couldn't rely on someone else to pay for their salvation. Paul preached a different type of gospel. Paul preached this. He said to the Corinthians, we, and Paul uses we because he's talking about his ministry team, we implore you on the behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who know, knew, sin, knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so those proud Corinthians, Paul might have feared them. But then secondly, Paul might have been afraid because of the immorality of the Corinthians. The gospel Paul preached was for repentance and holiness. And these people were very lax in their morality. They probably didn't know that their sexual immorality was a sin. It was part of their worldview. After all, that temple was up there on the mountain overlooking their city. That was what they did. That was part of their lifestyle. And their temple stood for what we would call uh, perversity. They didn't know they were being perverse. But the gospel calls for repentance and holiness. And Paul had to remind the Corinthians over and over, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then he lists a bunch of sins that the Corinthians were susceptible to. Do not be sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, Men who practice homosexuality, thieves, 
greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. He says, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he looks at his audience and said, such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And can you see yourself before God? Do you recognize that you are a sinner and that you have sinned and you have fallen away from God and it's only by God's grace that you are here? You were washed. You were cleansed by the blood of his atonement, by his sacrifice on the cross. You were sanctified. You were made holy. You were cleaned up by God. You were justified through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and by his resurrection on that day in which he took your sins. And you are presented holy and pure before God the Father by the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was able to speak to the Corinthians about these things, and it was a challenge. How could Paul explain the message of the gospel to people who didn't even realize that their worldview was antithetical to the gospel? But then thirdly, the Jews simply opposed him. And by their own writings, they wanted to eliminate them or at least have God eliminate him. But for Paul, when he stood in fear and he wondered if he might have to flee, God appeared to him in a vision. And God gave him three commands. Do not be afraid. Do go on speaking. Do not be silent. Do you know how to overcome fear? We could spend quite a bit of time on this. I'm not talking about legitimate fears. I have a fear of standing on the edge of a cliff that I might fall off. That's a legitimate fear. I have a fear that if a bear comes in my yard, I'm not going to walk up to that bear. I have a fear of bears. But there are some people who have what we might call irrational fears. They are claustrophobic and will never go in an elevator. Or they have a fear of dogs and will do anything to avoid being near a dog. Those are irrational fears. So what kind of fear do you think Paul had? Did he have a legitimate fear? Or did he have an irrational fear? And we would say he had a legitimate fear. In Macedonia, he was in three cities that we read about. In Philippi, what happened to Paul? He was dragged, beaten, and thrown into jail. Do you think that was a nice experience? The Bible, I think, kind of glosses over 
what happened to Paul. In Thessalonica, he was about to be lynched. The Christians had to hide him and send him away at night. That is fear when you fear for your life and you have to flee a city by night. In Berea, the brothers there started to see that it was going to happen. A mob was going to lynch Paul. So they took Paul by the hand and they said, Paul, get out of here. We will escort you to Athens. Paul had legitimate fears. And it looks like things are happening here in Corinth. He was thinking, I'm going to have to have my bags packed. I'm going to have to be ready at any time. He was probably looking around in fear. And so what was the first thing that God told him? Do not fear. And Paul obeyed God. Are there times when you're afraid? And there may be an irrational fear or a fear that's turning irrational. Perhaps Paul read this psalm, Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker opposes me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Words of David. And I'm sure that Paul, using his knowledge of the scriptures, went to passages like this. And those are ways that we might be able to overcome our fears. But God did something else for Paul. He not only gave him those three commandments, and two of them are really the same commandment. One's to One is to keep speaking, and the other one is don't be silent. But he did something else. He gave promises. And so God said, you will not be physically harmed in Corinth. I think that promise was a wonderful thing for Paul to hear. He had been beaten in the past. He had been tortured, so to speak, thrown in jail. He was physically broken in many ways. And God says, you will not be harmed physically. And then God said something else. And this probably made Paul's heart swell. God said, you are going to be used to save many in Corinth, because I have many in Corinth. And Paul just rejoiced. How long did Paul stay there? He stayed there a year and a half. And so, how did God reinvigorate Paul? 
Well, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Secondly, he found Christian fellowship in Corinth. Thirdly, he was a successful preacher of the gospel in Corinth. And fourthly, he was encouraged personally by God in a vision. Do you need to be invigorated in your love for God, in your Christian walk? Perhaps you need to change your situation or how you spend your spare time or what kinds of activities you do and find things that glorify God. Or perhaps you need to cultivate Christian friends. You need to find ways to be a friend to other Christians. Perhaps you need to find ways to proclaim Christ to witness to others because it is joyful to talk about Jesus to other people. It's a wonderful thing. And even though it is sometimes very difficult, it is something that we are asked to do by our Lord and Savior. It was one of his instructions before he left. Or perhaps you just need to study God's word and apply it to your life so that God will speak to you through his word, just as he spoke to Paul in a vision. Paul didn't remain in a dejected state of mind. He visited the Corinth twice that we know of. And at the end of his second letter, he wanted to go and visit them again. This church was a church that he had a heart for that he loved being in Corinth. And he wrote them two letters that we have, and they're fairly long letters that we have. And here's how he ends his second letter. He said, and, and you can tell he's no longer dejected. Finally, brothers, he says to the Corinthians, what does he tell them? Rejoice. Does he sound dejected? No. And then he says, aim for re restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's what Paul thought about the Corinthians. God gave him a wonderful gift in this church in Corinth.